As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games, as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Ben Irving, former lead producer at Bioware in Austin. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Ben. How are you? I'm good, Paul. Uh, thank you for having me, man. Not a problem. It's We've been kind of back and forth over this for a few weeks and it's been good to put it together and I'm hopeful that the listeners out there thoroughly enjoy everything that comes of this episode. Yeah, I hope so too, yeah. I think American Thanksgiving threw a bit of a uh, spanner in the works, which uh, is still funny for me because even though I've been in the US a very long time, I don't have that affinity for Thanksgiving, but it's obviously a very big holiday over here. So, you know, sorry to delay. Uh, no, no, that's not a problem at all. So we may as well slightly go off topic. What is, what is it like for you as, a, as an Aussie um, over there in America when they are having things like Thanksgiving? Like, do, do you feel kind of out of place at all? No, look, honestly, generally it's been awesome. So I, I live in Texas um, and I've been here for, geez, man, uh, nine years now. Yep. Um, and it's it's funny. I think actually Aussies and Texans are similar in quite a few ways, right? Like they like drinking beer, they like eating meat, and they like talking shit to each other. And so I was really worried when I first came over being like, I don't want to like ride a horse and like be in all this dust <laughs> you know like it's almost the silly stereotypes like they would think like we ride kangaroos you know um we do and i kind of had these weird <laughs> i tell them here that we do to be honest but i kind of had those weird things like that and when i got here i was just like you know they are the most welcoming people um so friendly very little ego especially where i'm at in austin and so kind of just fit right in and and honestly i've never felt like an outside i mean i get made fun of for my accent but it's normally in like endearing ways and you'll probably say i don't have one anymore but that's a different topic um and so there's still traces no, on, on there's a trace of it. i was actually hoping that when i was talking to you it would come back so we'll see what <laughs> happens um we'll see but no mate i just um honestly everyone's been really great my wife's from texas so uh you know her family's very texan and so that that makes it easy as well which means you you know probably accelerate the way you kind of embrace that that whole way of living i suppose yeah no i mean for sure and like you know i i, I met my wife in sydney which is where i'm all oh, right uh, and we live we lived there for a while she has a complicated thing but her dad's an aussie who went to unsw and i'm from sydney i went to UCID, uh and he were i don't know are you from which part of which part of australia i'm in melbourne Okay, so you don't know the, the Sydney's uh, schools that well, but I, I was a Shaw boy and her dad was a Newington boy. And so we were sporting rivals. Like my, like rugby, I played rugby and basketball at yep. high school and uh, he played rugby as well. Obviously a, a lot older than I am, but uh, at rival schools. So he was, that's where he grew up. And then he um, went to Texas when he was like 22 and he graduated from UNSW. And so my wife was actually born in uh, Melbourne, uh, lived in Hong Kong, but then spent most of her time in Texas and ended up coming to Sydney for like a, you know, like a 
like a work holiday, I guess, like a six months because she was born there, had the the um, passport and all that, and we kind of yep. met that way. So it's kind of this weird story where, um, honestly, like more of her family now lives in Sydney than lives in Texas. It's it's a really weird thing, but uh, but that it's helps what... honestly because they get both sides of it all, and so it's kind of this cool thing. Anyway, oh, it's, that's a bit it's of a one tangent of those... to all this, but there you go. I mean, it's one of those crazy miracles that the two of you met, given all the splintering directions everyone's gone off in. It's it's quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a whole long different story, but uh, obviously I'm very glad it happened that way. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty unlikely, so it was pretty. So this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from all around the globe and the industry, and they kind of share their experiences and stories as they've progressed through the business. Now, before we kind of dive into the current day stuff, which is, um, you've been quite busy over the last probably 10 years, specifically with some of your time at Bioware and what is to come. Um, Before we get to all of that, let's wind back a little bit and kind of focus on some of your first gaming experiences. Do you remember the first game that you played at all? Oh man, the first ever game. So, um, my dad worked uh, in Sydney and um, for whatever reason, he ended up bringing a work computer back. I'm pretty sure it was a 286. I might, yep. It might be a 386, but I, I think it was a 286. And on it, like he used it for whatever word or whatever the thing was called <laughs> back then. Notepad. And, um, <laughs> but it had Paratrooper and it had Space Invaders on it. All right. And I would just play that until they would drag me away. So that's my first memory playing a game um that led to things like um god even on that computer was like doom and my body was um better with computers than i was back then and back on the 286 or 386 when you boot it up i think you push like f9 and you could turn on and off different processes so i I really remember trying to get doom one working on that computer and I didn't have enough memory for it. And the only way to get enough memory was to turn different processes off. Oh, right. Okay. Like 21 different things. And I remember having this notepad of like, yes, no, because you would say yes, no to the 21 processes. Yeah. And I did so many different passes through it, trying to work out how to get enough memory where the computer would still boot up to play Doom. And so really the answer is Paratrooper and uh, Space Invaders. But very soon after that, it was it was games like Doom that I, I really was hooked on. Okay, so after that, you did manage to get Doom working then. Good to hear. I did get it working, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, astounding I the places that, that game pops up. A, if it was a 386 or whatever, it was, it was a long time ago. But uh, I do remember spending forever doing that specifically for, for Doom. It's incredible the number of places that game has popped up, the number of strange devices you can play it on. I distinctly remember playing it on a calculator when I was going through school. Um, oh, really? <laughs> and, and there's all these other weird and wonderful places that you can play that game. It's I, I love it. Were there any other games throughout throughout your years as you started to grow up that you kind of latched onto at all, particular genres or particular franchises at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, in my, um, I say younger years, it's all relevant, relative to how old you are. Well, yes. When, when I was a bit younger, um, I loved RPG games. Um, so the, the two of the era in my late teens, I suppose, were Baldur's Gate 2 and Final Fantasy 7. And yep. so they kind of had different, like, meanings. Like, I think it's really interesting, like, when, when people talk about, like, what's your favorite game and, and whatever. Like, some of it is, was the game great? But the other half is, like, 
was there something meaningful in that point of your life that made it special? And that's what it's always been to me. And so, you know, for example, Baldur's Gate 2, I played um, with uh, a good friend of mine who lived across the road. And so we would play separately for like four hours and then we would meet up and we would talk about like our experiences. And a game like Baldur's Gate is like, you know, your decisions kind of mattered. And so he would say like, oh, did you find the thing in the whatever? And I'd be like, I didn't find that. How did you find that? And the story sharing. Yeah, right. And I'd be like, oh, you know, I, I did this and this and then I was given this as a reward. And he was like, hold on, how did you even find that witch or whatever the thing was? And so that was like a really interesting experience because I am, I'd always played tons of sport and stuff at school like most kids do, but I didn't really have any friends who played video games. And I kind of always did that on the down low, like it wasn't cool back then and like it was like nerdy and you got made fun of. So I kind of just like did, did my own thing. And so this guy lived across the road, and he's still one of my really good friends now. We were groomsmen at each other's wedding, all that kind of stuff. But um, it was kind of like that made it special for me. Like the game was great. I think it, you know people will say Baldur's Gate Two is a great game, um, but it made it extra special because of that relationship I formed with with my friend at that time. Yeah, of course. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why you know I worked at Bioware for eight years. Like Baldur's Gate Two is that reason. Like in that time frame we both said things like when we grow up um we're gonna work there we're gonna make those we're gonna go and do that kind of stuff and you know he he's had a crazy successful career but not in that and and i've gone to make games and and he kind of says you know you went with a dream and i'm like i don't know man you have a pretty crazy good job but you know it's kind of that thing that that was meaningful um, and then Final Fantasy VII was was also kind of similar, different situation. But you know, I think there were similar eras. I can't remember the the times. Of yeah, the we are still years. talking the same window. I mean, Final Fantasy VII was what? That was ninety seven. I'm going to say ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, I actually think it was Baldur's Gate two after it. Maybe I have it the wrong way around. I'll I'll do a bit of research I, while you're yeah, while you're yeah, discussing I'm sure that. I but. played Baldur's Gate two more in like two thousand two. But yeah, I think you're right. Like ninety seven. I know it was ninety seven for final. At least when I played Final Fantasy, because. I was, I don't want to give away my age, but I was um, in high school, whatever. And um, my family went on a beach vacation every year to the same place near us for like two weeks. That was like our thing, the thing we did. Lots of our family, friends did all that. And I was playing Final Fantasy at the time, you know, whatever. And I remember there was two parts of it that were super meaningful. Um, I played lots of basketball in high school and so the second week of our family vacation we had basketball camp and so I had to go home in that window and I was home by myself okay I moved you know I had the shitty tiny TV upstairs and I moved my PlayStation down to like the big TV so I like made all these pillow castles so I could like play you're like a fort basically you know because i could do whatever i want i was home alone um but the other interesting thing was we we had a golden retriever um growing up uh who was a beautiful dog his his name was max and as we went for vacation that year we had to put him down 
oh. which is sad, whatever. But um, I remember coming in from basketball camp and, you know, you, I could smell his smell when I would come home each day because he was such a big part of the house for so long. I oh, yeah, okay, so right. It's like really like sad thing. And in some ways playing Final Fantasy was this escape from it. And I had built this fort downstairs and my family was kind of away at their vacation and I was doing basketball camp and I was, so it was just this like special time. And I think, so I'm sorry, it's like a super long winded explanation. No, 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 not not an issue at all. But but both of those games really stick out to me because they were amazing games, but there was these like, you know, at least from my age being younger at that time, like these meaningful moments to me that, that helped me remember it. And so certainly a big chunk of time, they were the two games I would say were like my, my favorite games kind of thing. No, there's some, some fantastic choices. Now, uh, I did do the research while you were talking about it there. And so Baldur's Gate 2 was September of 2000 and Final Fantasy uh, 7 obviously in the West was September through November, depending on which part of the world you happen to be in at the time, uh, of 1997. So yeah, That makes sense because I was, you know, 17 in 11th grade I think for Final Fantasy and then yeah like first year uni I think for yeah. Baldur's Gate 2 so there's some really really solid choices and you must be looking forward to the fact that I'm, I mean well remaster enjo- enjoying, oh, yeah. enjoying oh, yeah. and looking forward to the fact because obviously we've seen um, Baldur's Gate recently get re-released um, on the consoles and PC with the kind of updated versions and now we've got Final Fantasy that's only what four months away as of when we're recording this three four yeah, months away I, you know i think the final fantasy VII remake will be really interesting like i remember like there's so many parts of that game that i love and it's going to be really interesting to see what parts of it they you know hold true to the original title versus the parts they modernize and yeah. do they get that balance right where you know, because it's, re- it's really a throwback to those fans, right? And I'm sure they, there'll be new fans and all that kind of stuff. But oh, 100%. It'll be really interesting to see. Like, you could straight re-release it exactly as it was with better graphics and please a bunch of people. And the gamble of changing gameplay mechanics and combat is interesting. And if they do it right, I, I think it will be amazing. I mean, I'm going to play it either way just, again, because it's one of my stories I tell, you know, when yeah, people ask questions. Yeah, that- I mean, as someone who went hands-on with it a few months back, um, I can attest to the fact that it feels really, really good, uh, even as someone who adored it in the traditional JRPG format. Um, And it seems seems to be translating really well, but whether that lasts across the entire experience, that's a whole other thing. So we'll we'll have to see. I'm, I'm trying really hard to not watch the videos. I've watched a few of them, but I'm really like... I think it's like extra special to like have like no idea about it and just play it yes because um, i spoil a lot of games for myself by over researching and like that's yeah. my own fault and so I, i'm really trying hard with this one not to that's that's not a bad approach especially for a game that you kind of know in and out anyway um it's it's not yeah. a bad way to approach that sort of game so yeah. um we we did get very long-winded there as we start to spin off into modern releases and remasters but uh <laughs> was there a game at all that you kind of identify as a game that told you that you wanted to get in development was it one of those ones that we were talking about was it Baldur's gate or or final fantasy 7 or was there something else at some point that just lit a fire in you that said i i need to get into this yeah you know um it's interesting so I'm trying to think of the uh, <laughs> not the hour way to tell a story, but 
<laughs> I, I kind of like always wanted to make games and there were times where I didn't really know it but reflecting on it like I realized yeah you just wanted to do it and I think you know I, I think I struggled as a kid a little bit of being embarrassed about it like back in those times like like I, I was that kind of I played lots of sports and I grew really fast as a kid so I was yep. kind of bigger and I wouldn't say I was a, a jock or whatever that was never really my like personality type but um, the circle of friends I was with I was just that kind of like we were kind of reasonably decent at school and then we were pretty good at sport and and I, it kind of like wasn't a thing so I think part of me like didn't own up to the fact that it's all I wanted to do because I was a little embarrassed about it which you know sounds so silly now but I remember going to university and, and I graduated high school I went to University of Sydney and it was 2000 um, and so there wasn't like any courses for video games and I remember sitting down and reading this like thousand page course book being like where is the video game section and so didn't really exist back then no it just wasn't a thing and so, so I did different stuff and that's a different story but um, I kind of figured you know over time I would grow out of it and around kind of first or second year uni I started getting into online games you know I kind of had missed that um, you know Ultima Online and EQ1 phase like, yep. I kind of just missed it like I didn't actively not do, I just like didn't know or whatever that's uh, very similar to myself. Uh, I was not a PC guy whatsoever, so those are things that just kind of slipped my radar completely. So I can appreciate yeah. that. No, and then, like, it's totally right. And then I I um, started playing this game called Planet Side 1. Oh, yeah. And it's a pretty niche game, and people either know it and love it or, like, don't know it. But I played that game for, like, three years <laughs> to seven hours a day. Right, like, okay. It was my absolute Down first MMO or whatever kind of thing. And I was, look, I mean, it is, without getting into the psyche of who I am and whatever, but, you know, there was parts of university that I didn't really enjoy. I loved all the social stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. Everyone but I does. Didn't, I didn't enjoy a lot of the course curriculum because it just, I didn't feel like it's what I wanted to do. And look, maybe that was my fault. Maybe I had bad teacher. Like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I just didn't. Really, so, so I did okay at university, but I really didn't give it my all, you know, as a scholar, <laughs> so to say. Yeah. And 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 so I played a lot of that game, and I kind of got to the point where I finished university. I did commerce at, at uni, um, and I had done majors in like finance and computer science and e-commerce, which like whatever the degree to which you know those things at that point in my time was kind of silly but yeah and so I got a job at a software company um, and it was a startup and I was just like answering phones and helping out and it was cool right and it led to honestly it led to the gateway to my career in, in a different way but again it's a different story well I know I did I, have, I, remember, I did have a few things jotted down like I did I did kind of outline in my little notes I said it was like a non-traditional sort of entryway into into the games career for you because you spent a bit of time with MIOB which for anyone who's listening yeah. internationally may not be familiar with that's tax accounting business it's like saying reckon internationally yeah so and then there was there was in city fashion there was uh, vertive but that was in uh, Texas at that point if I'm yeah right yeah, yeah. so, yeah, it, so was, it wasn't that, necessarily that a traditional path. pathway yeah and and so part of it was when I was that young 
and I first started my job, I would like quote unquote quit playing video games because I was like, you know, you can't do this anymore. After being you know, adult, you're now. a tw- 24 year old or whatever, and you have to be professional. And so I would do that, and I would not play games for six months, a year, whatever it was. And I would kind of keep going back and. And but I would play super reasonably, like a couple hours a night, you know, yeah. get good sleep, focus on work. And anyway, I thought I'd grow out of it. And the older I got, I I worked at MYB. So the company I the startup was was bought by MYB. Oh, okay, right. And we did document management systems. And interestingly enough, a lot of my time in all of this was doing client server architecture which is effectively what like online games and MMOs are, right? Like you have a client, you have a server and they talk. And these days it's yep. AWS, but back in the day, you know, you would host your own servers. And I ended up doing lots of project management related stuff, um, at least in, in that era. But so I, I did that for a long time and I really learned a lot about um, leadership, be- mainly because I was failing at it. <laughs> learned a lot about leadership. Um, I learned a lot about like how to organize people. I learned a lot about like engineers and and creatives and like the motivations and how to talk with them and and kind of how to say like you know my job isn't to tell you what to do. Like my job is to make sure that the things you want to do um, are ready for you when you want to do them because like we're organized. And so like that taught me tons of lessons that apply to video games. Not that I had any idea about that at the time. That's just kind of yeah reflect on it now anyway and so I um, I left MYB because uh, some people I knew wanted to make an online fashion store that's in the city fashion we talk about and and there was fashion people and tech people and I was kind of like the general manager but it was a startup so whatever um, yeah titles are very was, fluid at that point yeah right? it's kind of I mean t- in general titles are like ludicrous generally it's super hard to know what anything means yeah true Next. Um, especially in games and in, and in technology but anyway um, and uh, so that was like a, a cool experience it was kind of I was trying to find myself a little bit and and at the time I was still playing like tons of online games like I think at that time I was playing a game called Ihon which is this Korean MMO I was going to say that's fun. not one that rings any there's bells like, with me yeah there's like like not enough time to like have a full time job that you take seriously and play that game. Yeah, okay. and I played this game, Global Agenda. Anyway, lots of games. I actually started playing um, Heroes of New Earth, which was kind of Heroes of New Earth and League of Legends were both kind of vying to be that breakout Dota game. Yeah, I remember that, remember that one. And then League kind of crushed later, but in that time, Heroes of New Earth was kind of bigger. Anyway, so I was playing games like that uh, at the time, and um, you know, I, I did this startup. Uh, thing and I was responsible for it all but really only had technology skills and it was building a website and it was kind of integrating with their backend warehousing system and that was like kind of client servery in nature and and uh, this all sounds silly and I actually don't like this part of the story anymore as I'm older because oh, right. we don't have to re- think... dwell on it too long if you don't want to <laughs> no 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 I don't... it's just more about personal growth I guess but all right. anyway I um I the fashion guys were busy and they asked me to fill in at 
a, a shoot thing because part of our deal was we're going to do like videos of the clothes right it was like what asos was doing before it was all very popular but yep. so i'm at this thing which was basically like there was 50 models walking up and down a catwalk and my job was to pick the good looking ones and oh. that's the part i feel weird about because i'm like it seems very misogynistic now even though that was just what it was at the time. Uh, and, anyway and by so its they, nature incredibly subjective as well yeah and like you know I was a young man or whatever, and anyway, I remember watching these very beautiful women walk up and down and realizing I hated all of it. And I was like, if I'm like a young man in this situation and I don't like this, I'm just doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And, you know, I was playing all these online games and I was just like, this is just what I care about. Like, you know, I care about my family and friends and I care about these things, but in terms of hobbies, like... I didn't have other hobbies. Like, if I had a free hour, I'm playing online games. Yeah. There was no, like, do you want to go surfing? Do you want to do things that are better for you? Like, like if I have my free hour, and, you know, you take out, like, being responsible and doing laundry and cooking and spending time with your girlfriend and your friends. But, like, when all that was done and people, like, watch TV, like, I was playing games. It's all I loved. And so I said to my girlfriend she's my wife now but at the time she's my girlfriend i was like and you know i told that long story before where she's born in australia but really from texas and i kind of i just said hey i'm gonna quit my job tomorrow and we're gonna move to america because i want to make games and i think i was 29 it's a brave uh, decision to make at that point yeah you know i mean (laughs) at any point actually to be fair it was super naive but at the like here was my logic at the time you know I had X dollars and it wasn't very much kind of saved up and I was kind of miserable and like I had had a lot of success professionally and I was given opportunity and you know I was making money for someone of that age and and on paper like life was good right but I was not happy I just wasn't happy and um I said all that to my girlfriend and uh I just said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit my job tomorrow, and and we're gonna move to America." And we talked about it a little bit on and off, but there's always a reason. Like, let's do one more summer, like whatever. Bob. And um, always and kicking so that I, can down the road a bit further. Yeah, no, and like for good, re- like you know, it's never a great time to pick up your life and move on, right? Yeah. Um, and so I just I went into work the next day and I quit. And I gave like, you know, eight weeks notice or some long amount of time because I needed it and we all needed it. And um, I was like, I want to move to Austin and I want to work at Bioware and I want to work on Star Wars Old Republic. And, you know, I was I was playing lots of online games, like I said. WoW was a huge game for me in that year. I was a raid leader and a GM and a... Oh, right into it. Yeah, okay. I, I, I play with my buddies and... It was Wrath of the Lich King era, yep, I think. I'm with you. Um, that was was that the second, third expansion? I mean, I'm not yeah, the biggest I World mean, of Warcraft guy, but it was still like, like that's still like, early in the life. Yeah, it was BC into Lich King. I mean, some people would call it the Golden Era. I yeah. probably would, but it's all about you know where you're at in your life and, and all that again. But anyway, so um, the idea of working on an MMO that was Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I mean, I'd grown up with Star Wars was ridiculous and so we basically both quit our jobs we sold out all our possessions and 
we moved to America and I came on a 90 day tourist visa with no job. And I was like, I want to go work at Bioware. You know, it was, it was, it was crazy. You just will uh, that into existence from there. Yeah. You know, I mean, part of it was because a lot of people ask the, the question and they're like, you know, it's kind of crazy. And I'm like, well, here's, I'm like, yes, no, I think it was crazy, but here is my logic. Like, I didn't want to wake up and be 80 years old and have the regret of never trying. Like for me, it was better to come here, spend all my money and fail and go home and be like, that one thing you, you, you thought you always wanted to do, man, you tried and you failed and like, so be it. Like I, I'd, I'd make peace with that. Yep. But I was like, to have never tried and to feel like you wasted a lifetime in a career that you, you didn't love because you didn't even try like that to me was not gonna not gonna be okay and that's and so enough that's, to that's how i rationalized it you know and and maybe it's because you're an arrogant young man like i don't know whatever but that that was kind of the rationalization yeah but i mean whatever fuels it i mean at the end of the day we we can all have these deep-seated passions and uh, you know still a lot of people don't necessarily pursue those because they want to take the safer option and sometimes you know the safer option is what's best in some cases um, for the sake of their families or whatever the case might be but for others yeah, and like, you, you take the risk and it pays off as it did in your case yeah and like you know I don't want to pass any judgment on anyone who makes a different decision or whatever like I, I don't know but but at that time there was so many reasons not to but there would have been so many more reasons like like, like right now like you, you talked about having, having a, a kiddo like I have a two year old and like you know doing anything like that now and we're very embedded and like that's a whole complicated that's different thing, thing. And, and and life always gets harder i don't think i knew that back then because you're not really wise enough to know and it was just i don't know almost i just reached a breaking point where i was like something's got to give you know i more and more while i thought i would grow out of games i more and more was being obsessive about them you know especially online games i, I was kind of enthralled by this idea of like social and friendship and teamwork and competition because so much of my childhood was that in sports and I had so many debates with my mom back in the day and my mom and my dad are so supportive but I remember earlier on them being like do you know how much games you're playing you know that kind <laughs> of conversation especially my planet side one seven hour a day kind of things and did you have that did you realize how much you were playing early days or was it only when they yeah, waved the clock yeah. in front of you and you <laughs> here's the stopwatch oh, it's been eight hours I just, didn't think, I just didn't think it was a problem yeah okay fair enough <laughs> like i mean it probably was right and here's the thing in all this like i really believe in balance of all of that and that's yeah. a different conversation but you know i used to have these kind of conversations with my mom and and, and, the, and in like not like good humor but it was good discussion you know again she's very smart and very supportive but i would be like okay mum." so so <laughs> things would come up like um my girlfriend would be like whatever wednesday night hey it's jenny's birthday party and i'd be like i have a raid on yeah okay and right on she'd with you go okay who cares come to the party and i was like hold on if i was playing rugby and i had rugby training on would you ask me to skip rugby training? And it was like, it's so different. And I'd be like, it's really not, right? Like, 
the like things like rugby basketball that, that I played a lot of, and this was kind of a conversation with my mom and my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, but yeah. it was like, I get the same sense of teamwork and belonging and all those kind of things from the 10 guys that we try Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I think we play Tuesday, Thursday. We Tuesday, Thursday, we try practice very hard to beat these raid bosses and when we do it, that satisfaction is like when I play basketball or rugby and we train and then we win the game on Saturday. Yeah. Like it requires coordination, communication, people make mistakes, you have to let it go, you make mistakes, you have to learn to be better. Like there's so many learnings from online games and social gaming. So I would be on this like crusade against everyone. You know, but of, I mean, also it's, it's like a- didn't get it. It is a byproduct of the time a little bit. I mean, I think it's, you know, these days with the the explosion of esports and the way that is at the moment, I think people have a greater understanding of those same aspects you're talking about that underpin rugby or kind of any team sport, really. Um, And the fact that they are present in the various different games out there, but I think it's only been the explosion of the esports where people have actually started to... Your, you know, Joe Citizen, who's not necessarily all about video games, it's only with those that they're finally starting to understand it themselves. Yeah, I mean, totally, you know, it's 20 years later, you know, like one of the um, ladies who takes care of our son, um, her daughter wants to be in esports. Yeah, and okay. so like, it's super interesting having that conversation with her now. That's not that different than what I would have been like at that age. You know, I think she's 16 or something. Um, but, but the environment is so different. Yeah, because there's examples of success. Like, I remember the big debate back in when I would have it was like, but is there any money in this? Like, can you make a career out of it? You know, and and now, it you know, there's more revenue from games than movies and and all these kind of things. And like, they're they're totally real careers and no one judges that because it's more mainstream. And so it was a super interesting time where it it made it difficult and I think like for someone like me it it kind of delayed getting into it because of some of that stuff and maybe I wasn't you know strong-willed enough or whatever to do the things back then but um, but like you said there there weren't those pillars of success though to kind of lean upon and say look it looks like this success looks like this you didn't have that at the time yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And also, like, the stereotype of people who played games in that era Very wasn't socially adjusted people, right? Well, you, you, you think of uh, Make Love Not Warcraft from South Park. That's kind of, that's kind <laughs> yeah, of the perception. Sort of a thousand truths. Yeah. Anyway, so that was my... This is a, I'm, I feel like I'm going long-winded into everything. But no, no, it's not an issue at all. I kind of, like got to america on this 90-day tourist visa and no job and all my possessions and sold my car and everything i owned in order to fund it and i timed it with uh gdc online was a a kind of a conference here in austin it's not here anymore but yeah it was back then and it was 2010 i forget the dates but it was something like you know it started october 6th and I landed the morning of October 6th, like whatever the actual date was. And I just went there and I was like, just went up to everyone and was like, hi, I'm Ben. I want to make games. Like it was so stupid. Yep, and, willing uh, it into existence. 
Yeah, like, and, and it, it, you know, in some ways it was. And look, obviously I got very lucky, you know, but, but I think, you know, everybody, like, luck is everywhere and it's all about if you take advantage of your moments or not. Yeah. And in that time, I was taking advantage of every moment. You know, I would, so I met the Bioware recruiters and they're like, because at that point I had six or seven years project management experience and the big thing was, but it's not in games. Which in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, it's different, but it's like no different than moving between companies where yes. like context is different. Like if you're a really good project manager, you can be a really good project manager in whatever, especially in like where I'm going for junior stuff to be a super senior person in games. You have to know games, I think, or yeah, equivalent do a little bit of time and learn creative stuff. Right. But yeah. I was applying for junior stuff like, you know, in that sense, it's like, get out of here. But I heard a lot of you don't have games, right? Um, anyway, very long story short, that didn't work out, and I would just find ways to contact those Bioware people because they really liked me for whatever reason. Um, probably the accent was wonders back then, uh, <laughs> and it would be like they would update their <laughs> recruitment site, and I would just write to them, be like, "Hey, I love the new look on the site. Looks great." Like I wouldn't fish for jobs. Like that's all I would write. Until eventually was, you saw one day that they said one of, one of the main criteria is we were after someone with an Australian accent, at which point you thought, yeah, that's, that's right. me. We need someone who sounds cool. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, a buddy visited from Australia and we went out for drinks on a Wednesday night and at some random table were a bunch of Bioware people and I hung out and drank with them till 2 a.m. on like a Wednesday. Nice. And they went into HR and would be like, we met, ben. why aren't you hiring Ben? Ben's great, you know? And then HR would reach back out and be like, we heard you had some fun with the guys. Like, we all like you. It's just about waiting for a role kind of thing. And so a bunch of stuff Which like that. Which is reassuring happened. in the time being, though. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And and I was in a different job then, and it was great, and they were, they were nice. But it was a similar thing of, like, this isn't what I came here to do, right? And... Uh, Anyway, at the end of the day, uh, something opened and I applied. I got super lucky. There's lots of stuff with that. Like, it was a massive pay cut. Like, it was so big of a pay cut. Um, but I was just like, this is but it. it the right? Like, you give it a shot or you don't. Like, you'll work that part out later. Like, it just, you know. That's like future whatever, Ben's problem. You know? Yeah, and I was doing, I was basically a release manager on Star Wars Old Republic, which was managing server deployments and the, the net ops team back then. Um, and I didn't have anything to do with the game, but I thought I was living the dream. Like, I loved, I would get up three times a week at 2 a.m. and do server deployments from 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. Oh, wow. Pre launch and through launch. Oh, sorry, maybe it was still. 4 a.m. I can't remember. Anyway, some shitty time. Still the dead of and, night. Yeah, and like, but I loved it. Like, I genuinely loved it because when I was at work, there were all these people talking about Star Wars and MMOs, and that's all. And and I just loved it. And it was a sh like in hindsight, it was a shitty job, but I I loved it. Were you and, always a Star Wars fan growing up? Yeah, like I, you know, it's funny. I thought I was a huge Star Wars fan. Until, until you realized you there. knew nothing. And then I realized that everybody else was actual fan. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I remember as a kid growing up watching, you know, the original trilogy. 
Um, and I remember watching it at a pretty young age at my buddy's house. Yeah. And I can't remember what the scenes were. There were a couple of scenes where, like, his mum would make us kind of look away. We had to go to the, the other room. And then when they play it, we'd come back. You know, the hand, so the hand getting cut off, and all those sorts I of things. I think it was the hand getting cut off, and I think it was the uh, the yet the, um, the yeti or whatever it's called. Um, oh yeah, right at the beginning of um, uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, that's the beginning so, of Empire. No, sorry, it's, uh, yeah. Empire. Anyway, and so um, I just had loved though that kind of stuff, and I'd played, you know. Um, I can't remember what like the Force Unleashed series was called uh, back then, but I'd, anyway, I was a Star Wars fan. At least in my mind, it was a IP that I loved. You know, I don't think I was a super fan in hindsight, but relative to the things I cared about, I was a pretty big fan. So, and what so, is yeah, that that's like? That's kind of how I ended up there in you know forty nine minutes or less. So, so what's that like though? You know, working on at that point. So you've you've gotten in. What is it like working on what is arguably well, still, but even at the time, one of the biggest IP ever. Like, there's there's pressure yeah, that comes I mean, with that. There's probably stress that comes with that. There's a lot of expectations I mean, and all those sorts of things. What's that like to kind of contend with? Yeah, I mean, look, I was super junior back then. Like, I didn't really contend with any of it to start Okay, with. right. I mean, you know, fast forward a few years, I was running that franchise, and so there was stress then. But early on... I um I didn't know much about anything, you know. It was a tough time. We had a super big team. It was too big. There was two rounds of layoffs, and I survived the first reasonably easily because I was the like deployment guy. Like, what are you gonna do about deployment guy? You can't deploy the servers, yes. which wasn't true. That was just the thought, right? Like, I was like, okay, sure, it got you good. through. And I, the second time around, I know because years later friends who were senior then and when i wasn't i was on the layoff list like i was on the list to be laid off and it wasn't about not being good enough it was about like there were numbers right and last minute they kind of said hey he's really good and passionate and does this job that many people don't like doing and there's a chance if you lay him off we aren't able to deploy the servers it was that similar thing um, and I was on the layoff list and then like the day before was off the layoff list. So like that would have changed everything because I was still pretty junior, you know. And yeah, so, so I, I made it resume through Resume's not long yet. Yeah, I made it through that. And, and then it was kind of like, a, you know, I was befriending the dev team because that was passion. I played was the play test. I played the game a lot just because I liked it. I didn't, I wasn't, there was no angle for me there. Yeah. Um, although in hindsight it was smart I just didn't know it at the time um, and I just like started befriending the people in the dev team naturally and at some point I mentioned I was interested and they were kind of like really? we had no idea you'd be amazing at this job or whatever and so I moved to the dev team and I ran a small feature group and then I ran like a major game update for Star Wars Old Republic and then I ran an expansion I think um it was uh, Galactic Strongholds and Shadow of Revan were my first expansions running it as the lead development director for the whole project and then we did uh, Knights of the Fallen Empire and then my boss at the time 
who was like the EP left. And then I became, we didn't call it the EP, but I was the effective EP lead producer um, of that, of the whole franchise. And then I did that for a couple of years. And so, you know, I talked earlier about luck. Like I was super lucky that a lot of opportunity came my way, but at the same time, like I was the guy who was there, crazy passionate, you know, willing to do whatever to like make it all work out. And so it's all you can um, do. Yeah. But, but I just, I think it's important to acknowledge luck in it all, Yeah, but also to say like, but I was also like, did my, my share of either making the luck or taking advantage of it. And so that was a great time. And like, I kind of, you know, kind of went through those ranks reasonably fast. And, and in many respects, there was a lot to learn, you know, about being a leader and managing a team and understanding MMOs and telemetry and why you do certain things. And um, I think we had a lot of great success, but like we also made a, a bunch of mistakes and I personally made a bunch of mistakes. And, and, um, those things are good to reflect on though because i try to make sure you don't make the same mistake again kind of thing and 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 that's tricky there's context right like a lot of it is external pressure why you do certain things and players criticize you for it either way because they don't know the pressure but i think even the things that we we had to do there were things where we made mistakes as well and so um i think that's natural that's just fine but yeah, of course so that was a great but like, I lo- you know, I love that was I worked on Star Wars Order Park for six years and I loved all of it, even the stressful. I had stomach ulcers at one point through a couple of the last expansions, like even through all that, where it was like borderline real health problems. All right. Um, I loved it. And like, not not real, like people have actual real health problems. This was more, you know, tame, but it was like, hey, you've got to chill a little bit because this is bad either like don't work so much or get more sleep or eat healthier like whatever the things are but it, so it wasn't like again people have real problems but it was like i was doing things to myself that were not great and and so were lots of people and that that wasn't enforced on us that was just like we were passionate and we wanted to do it and yeah. we wanted to be successful and we were just doing it and we were younger and like you just don't know i don't know like because i one thing i don't want that comment to be read as is like people forced us into it like that was our choosing at that time yeah no i follow what you mean um Um, we do hear a lot of those sort of stories these days where there and even people that i've had on the podcast previously that have spoken about how there was yeah no pressure from above it was simply the the love of the job the passion for the project and the desire to make it the best they can possibly make it that for uh it's those drives that force them to spend those hours, not someone else saying, hey, I need you to sit here till 3 a.m. or put an all, pull an all-nighter, you know, bring a mattress in, whatever it is to, to get this thing done. It's it's all self-motivated. Yeah, and I mean, look, in some of that window, we certainly had to ask what you described of people. Like, you know, but they were all conversations and we never did a long, at least in, in my time, I don't know about all the times, we didn't do big death march crunches is what people call it but yep. we had a bunch of two to four week windows or more where people had to work extended hours and and that was tough but anyway that's a different story they're the ups and downs of development yeah and like you know i think there's a whole process for doing that well yeah. and a process for doing it poorly and i'm not saying that we did it well all the time but i think like 
know, it's a different topic. But um, so, yeah, I just I love that experience for me was like, you know, I, I had taken this huge step back to start, but then quickly I was kind of catching up and almost getting ahead of where my experience was. And, and so just that learning in that period was was really good because at the end of it, I found myself running this big franchise that had all these players and was making all this money and it was on my like favorite license IP and I was kind of like, wow, okay. <laughs> that, I'm like, kind of running kind of Star cool. Wars here. <laughs> like, what happened, you know? And because and, it was stressful and sometimes I'd be super stressed out and I would kind of say to myself, man, imagine if you could tell that guy who quit his job and had no money and moved to America on a 90-day tourist visa that in whatever it was, five years, you'd be doing this? Like, do you really have anything to complain about? You know, and... Um, but that's that's the hindsight thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, like I said, I, uh, lucky I was afforded opportunity and and I think we did good things and we made mistakes and all that kind of stuff, but... But it was cool. And so, yeah, that was that was my first six years of, of Bioware. And then, um, you know, kind of the last two before I left were on Anthem. Um, yeah. Anthem was a super cool experience. Um, fraught with trouble, fraught with public scrutiny. There's lots in there. And, and we, I told you before, there's a bunch there I don't really want to get into only because I don't nice work day. there anymore. And like, it's kind of weird for me to represent it. But um, I do think in all of it, I learn a lot about myself. Um, I learned a lot about video games um, and so through the good times and the bad times like I'm glad to have done it all just because I feel like I'm better for it on the other side oh, 100% um, and I'm super proudly you know like really my my main responsibility pre-launch was doing gameplay and it was a tough deal and there was not enough time and not enough resources and for reasons I don't really want to get into we just needed to do this thing and and that team that I worked with, like, I'm so proud of the stuff that we did. You know, I really feel like we did great work in general. And then given the time constraints, like, I, I, you know, that was a big deal. And there was a lot of people, you know, in that window, my first child was born. So I wasn't doing the crazy hours that I was doing before. Yeah, because you've got many, to dedicate many, yourself to the family. Right. But many, many people on the teams I worked with were... And they're the ones that carried it through. And, and so, like, I'm yeah. really proud of being a part of that. I still worked, I think, decent hours, um, but, and nights and whatever. But, but they really did the extra effort. Um, and so, I'm really proud of that. And then we went live with Anthem, and, um, you know, there was a bunch of problems. And, um, you know, my responsibility there was kind of around doing that first Cataclysm, which was our first big game update. Yes. And, and trying to fix many of the issues with the game and you know people can make their own minds up about that i don't really want to get into it but i kind of got to a point where you know after eight years of this incredible journey and all these learnings and and all these wins and losses and all this stuff where i was like you know i think it's time for me to move on it was just time for a change time to experience different things with different people and different leadership and doesn't have to be critically the way and and so i kind of left and i've started somewhere else and i'm not really getting into that but no, no, that's um, that's fine yeah that was kind of that was kind of the journey man and like you know i you reflect on the all and it's like 
there's so many things I, I wish I could have done better and and all that kind of stuff but but I'm I'm glad to have had all the lessons and I just kind of hope that I can apply them in the future and kind of be better at my job and and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's kind of been a wild ride but I've really loved it all even when it's been stressful and I can't imagine doing any other job um, so which is great yeah. to hear so um, without diving too deeply into like I said some of the behind the behind closed doors sorts of aspect of things going on at Bioware and specifically working on Anthem um, you, you spoke about there how you were proud of what you created and what you did uh, with that game how like when when the game finally launched and the reception was what it was whether whether people were positive or negative or anywhere in the middle um, obviously the, there was a portion of the community that were um, uh, angsty negative towards it I, I, I don't know the exact the exact phrasing to use but um, how does that sit with you how do you process that when you know th- this this project that you've been working on for several years like I said I think you mentioned two years um, it's there's a lot of love there's a lot of blood sweat and tears that have gone into it and then it kind of gets hauled over the coals a little bit by at least a portion of the audience how do you kind of process that and work your way through that internally and I'm talking about you specifically as opposed to the studio yeah it's a good question I mean almost like if we abstract it out from any one game and just talk like philosophically because yeah. I think that's easier like um what's it like to be a public facing figure in the games industry like almost that is the topic right and then you can say when it goes great and when it goes terribly yeah you know, that I, makes sense I, I had um you know in Star Wars Old Republic I had been the public facing person of that for some period of time um and it was different then because it was like a monthly live stream i didn't really do social media like twitter and reddit and all that kind of stuff and then in anthem there was this big push that we would our goal was to be transparent you know and i get mocked for transparency quite a bit but that was like our goal fail or not whatever that was the purpose because we were like we're launching a new ip and so the goal is to educate players on what it is so when they play it you know expectations are aligned um and i you know we kind of i'm trying to taper not getting into certain things but i think we just made some mistakes of we talked too much too early and not by design we over and so i think there's interesting things in that so again let's let's make it game agnostic for a second I remember watching this guy, Greg Street, Ghost Crawler. He was the World of Warcraft, I think he was a lead designer, um, but he, for a long period of time, was like the most knowledgeable guy of the game in a time where the game was super successful. And he would be on Twitter all night, like three hours a night, replying to questions. And he would be the most calm, knowledgeable no matter the rage he would respond with these super kind of really like um insightful comments and even in a game that was successful with a guy that i don't know if anyone can do it better i'm sure there are examples whatever but he was amazing and he got raged at right and i'm like you don't understand if that guy can't do it 
what hope is there for any of us? And anyway, so that I remember thinking that back in the time, but being like, you know what, if we build this community, um, when the game comes out, it'd be fine. And I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff being a public-facing figure. Like, you know, before a game comes out, it's kind of really fun in the sense that, like, you're debating design philosophy with people, but you hold all the information. And so a lot of that interaction is super positive, right? Because players don't know, right? But yes. as a game comes yeah. out, you know, all of a sudden, very quickly, the players know more than you do. Like in my, in my role, if there's 100 or 200 people that I'm responsible for, like they know all the details. I know a fraction of those details. You get the surface right? level. Like I, I can't, you know, and, and maybe I'm not good enough, whatever, I don't know. But I think like in that role, you, you can't know everything. And the conversation shifts from like, um, hey, why do you think flying is cool? Right? Which is like, yeah, okay, like here was our philosophy around why we did fly to And it's to, absolutely cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but like I'm like like that my job is to understand that stuff to make sure the vision of the game is being executed on. Whether yeah, I yeah. make the vision, someone else makes the vision, whatever. Like my job is to make sure we understand why we build stuff so that we're building the right things, right? Like that's my actual job. Um but after a game launches, it's kind of like hey this shotgun doesn't do enough damage like why do you hate shotguns and i'll be like i don't know like i don't know if it does enough damage like i'm not the the combat balance guy there's a person that does that right and i can go and ask but i don't want to spend my whole life going to ask all these questions yeah of course when social media is kind of the thing like for me i was doing three hours a night in my free time and my kind of philosophy was if I know the answer, I'll share it. If I don't, I just won't because I'm doing this on my free time. I don't want to ask other people to spend their evenings doing this. Doing the same thing, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, a lot of this is self-inflicted and all that kind of stuff. But it was just like, for me, that was a really interesting thing because I really am a gamer at heart and I got into all this because I love games and I wanted to be able to just share why why we do stuff and you know agnostic of whatever game you know i think people want to share it but it's really hard because there's a culture of toxicity and trolls and like independently of if you do a good job or not that's why i like the ghost crawler story because i feel like he he was my in my mind like man if i could ever be as good as that guy was i'd be so proud of myself you know but even with him the trolls the toxicity was a lot you know, and it's kind of this weird thing where you're like, how do you win in this situation? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, not everybody's going to like it. Like, they're definitely not. And a whole lot of people who think they're going to like whatever the game is you're making just won't like it, whether it's your fault or not. Like, that's just what's going to happen. I mean, that's the reality the local... of making anything. It's, it's, it's right, art right. and it may not click for everyone anything that's creative right it can be film and movies and and tv shows but um but they're also a lot of that's gonna be the vocal minority because <laughs> the joke we say a lot is how often do you call your internet provider and just go just want to let you know mate you're doing a great job such yeah. a great job it I've doesn't had so much i've had so much uptime but if that shit goes out for an hour oh yeah you're on that phone and you are <laughs> raging right like like that's just kind of when things are going great you don't 
think about it. And so a lot of it, again, game independent, it's not about whatever games I worked on. If if it's going great, you tend not to hear it. People, and it's going terrible, there's still the people. And and there gets a point where you're so close to it that you can lose a little bit of of kind of perspective on where is it really at. Yeah, understood. And so I don't remember what the original question was at this point, but I think, you know, um, no, you've answered I think very you well. Asked about, I how think do you, you process? Asked kind of about, yeah, how do you deal with the criticism in general? And, and like, for me, it was all about, like, I'd, I'd done it a little bit before and I was okay to eat all the shit if it was going to be worth it. Like, if we were going to get through it and if I could eat the shit and then someone else could get out in front somewhere and like do something great and then people would like that like it was all going to be worth it um but you know kind of out of that i have a lot of perspective and a lot of philosophies around like better ways to do a lot of the things that 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 we had done and and it'll be interesting if 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 i can do better with that in the future or not but yeah um like I don't know, again, for me, I just, I love interacting with gamers. Like, that's just what I, I love. I, I love to do public-facing stuff. And I don't know if I'll do it again, to be honest, but um, I do love it. And I just think we have to find better ways to do it and find better ways to be, like, have constructive criticism and deal with toxicity and, and all that kind of stuff. And, again, even the greatest games are full of toxicity. And, and that's the part where it's like, you know if you want to deal with it publicly like you just you have to really get it you have to really understand like what you're signing up for yeah and where it's coming know. from and yeah like and even, those sorts you know, of things. Take, take fortnite right you know most successful game in the world right yes you know like I, I occasionally scroll through some of the leadership there their twitter feed what a cesspool that is like they legitimately have done one of the best things in gaming in terms of popularity and you can be critical of their decisions of course but let's like like those guys don't win either you know um but there are other games that are slightly small that, that have great communities but but it's some anyway i think there's no, a whole it, philosophy it is there. a whole it's just thing really hard it's just really hard and, and you know i think we made some mistakes i think i made some mistakes um none of it was intentional though like all of it was in the spirit of like man i just want to make this great game and i want to tell people what it is so that if you play it you know what you're playing um and i think you know we hit and we miss some of that and it is what it is but i think it's a it's an interesting part of it all and, and it's a part i love but it's a part that's really hard because as an individual you get criticized you get death threats you get all kinds of very unsettling things and like for me like it's not really my job like i pick it up as this optional extra thing to do because i like it but like i got a bunch of like bad death threat like really really ugly things (sighs) and it was like i remember saying to my wife man is this worth it you know like it it just uh and look again that was a difficult a lot of that was difficult launch it's a, yeah it's a, anyway. it's a rough period and the yeah, worst but, probably comes at that time yeah and you know I think you know something I often want like if you're an actor or if you're 
celebrity is the wrong word because I don't think I'm a celebrity, but like if you're a celebrity of some kind, like they all get the same thing. If you're a streamer, if you're a whatever, like people get the same shit by being public facing no matter what. Yep. So it's just, it's hard to know like, was it better or worse? Or what do you really do? What amount of this is always the way it is? It's just like a really difficult com- a difficult topic. But um, anyway, sorry, again, I'm tangent. No, 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 I understand it. I so mean, it's kind of interesting. No, I mean, and you talking about the openness, and this is me being a little bit selfish here for a moment, but your, your openness and willingness to interact with people is exactly how this episode actually came about. Like it was the fact that you had your... DMs open, for example, that I was able to reach out to you, and we managed to to put this together. Um, and that simply wouldn't have been possible if you potentially went into your shell a bit, or you know, you weren't looking to interact with anyone, you know, outside of the circle that you actually knew um, or followed or whatever on Twitter. It's yeah, that openness that made like, these things happen. Yeah, and uh, and I want to think that this is a positive experience at the end of the day. <laughs> No, you know, I mean, first of all, for me, like, you know, anyone from Australia who reaches out, like, I always want to make time for, like, I'm like, if I can be helpful in some way or interesting in some way, and I don't know if I am or not, you have if been, I can sure. be, like, I want to do that just because I remember being in Australia and wanting to be part of this industry and it being hard. And I'm eternally grateful for everyone who helped me on the way. And so we used to have debates about DMs open on Twitter. And I'm like, you never know the person who will reach out that is not comfortable to reach out publicly who, like, you can help them in some way that's meaningful, just like I was helped when I needed help. And so I read through, I read all my DMs. Well, I don't really read them all, but I skim them all. And, like, I have to read, not anymore, because, you know, I'm not in those news cycles anymore, but at the time I would have to scroll through a hundred to find one regular one but to me it was worth it because the regular one would be like I just want to say that I think you're doing a great job you and your team despite all the criticism have changed my life for these reasons and I would be like that makes it worth worth reading to me you know and um, I don't know Or, or it would be like you know people would be like hey, you look really tired, man. That last stream, like, you need to sleep. I'm worried about you. Like, whatever it was, it was stuff like that where I would be like, okay, like, it was... It was Coming it was from nice. a good place, though. And and again, like, I, I don't know what my role publicly is, is going to be in the future. I don't know if any of us know what the future kind of has for any of us, but, you know... I feel like there were people that were good to me when I wanted to be part of this. And if there's a way for me to give back, whether it's a podcast or an interview or mentorship or whatever, like, like that's something that's important to me to do. And so I'm kind of happy to do it. If I can, you can't always do it. But I like the idea of trying to do that stuff. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Now, before we kind of focus uh, or reshift our focus from the Bioware period, just a couple quick ones. So you're obviously working on the Old Republic and you're working on Anthem. Now Bioware has slash had um, both both tense there, uh, multiple studios did, and so we had things like Mass Effect and Dragon Age and you know titles being developed at Edmonton or, or wherever. Did 
any of that work kind of translate its way over to Austin at any point? So whether that was because you were 2011 onwards, so I'm thinking Mass Effect 3, Andromeda, yeah, uh, I mean, Shadow Realms even. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of it, you know, I, for a long time. So Edmonton, it was the uh, founding studio of yeah. Bioware, right? The, the two doctors founded it and geez, I can't remember. I think it was 98 or 95 or whatever. Um, yep. Uh, and so they then founded the Austin studio. Uh, the Austin studio was intended to make Star Wars Republic and the Edmonton studio made Mass Effect, the trilogy and Dragon Age. And for a very long time, that was very separate. And then probably around 2000, oh geez, 2016, maybe? we reunited under one general manager and started doing more stuff so we had a pot of people who worked on andromeda we had a team of people who built the dragon age descent dlc yeah uh, shadow realms was a code name for a project in austin um and so there was a little bit of that anthem was probably the first one that was really like there was hundreds in one place and hundreds in the other place yeah okay um, but there was there was there was a bunch of collaboration between them and honestly like people make a fuss about locations like i love all the edmonton people i worked with them i traveled there a lot like really great people you know and i hope that they feel the same way you know but you know that the distance is challenging but like ultimately all of us wanted to make great games and do our best to do that you know so so when it comes to Anthem and you've got, like, as you said, hundreds of people in Austin working on hundreds of people, Edmonton, et cetera, et cetera, do, does that make things a little more challenging in some regards just due to the sheer logistical component? Or yeah, I mean, because we're I, so I think, connected these every days. every game developer would say, hey, would you prefer to have everyone in the same building or like spread them out? <laughs> you know, and everyone would say, yeah, I'll pick the same building. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. So like, yeah, definitely. But you look at the upside, right? Like, there was a lot of different skills and experience that were curated in both locations. And that was ultimately the reason, right? Like, like Edmonton had a super rich history of really great single-player storytelling games that yeah. were immersive with great world-building and IPs and story. And Austin had managed this huge live service for a long time and understood, like, live service and cadence and the trade-offs you have to make for it and so you know in many ways the reason we all did it together was we were like hey like you know that thing we know this thing you know and that's not wholly true like you know there's tons of people in Edmonton who know live services and vice versa right um, but that was kind of how it played out in some ways and it's more complicated but um, oh for sure yeah fair enough um, now, as as we discussed, kind of nodded towards yet, uh, earlier, uh, you have moved on from Bioware and there is a next chapter that is beginning to develop and I know that trying to get anything out of you on that matter will be like trying to get blood out of a stone, so I can appreciate <laughs> that. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's really just like, it's a new place, I have some baggage from my last job, I don't know if I'm going to do public stuff with them or not i'm just laying low with it like there's it's not like some weird secret or i i don't i feel weird about it. it's just i, I just don't think yeah i don't know no, i can appreciate talk that about it on any public front yet that's all 
But I'm gathering, based on the fact that as we speak, you are still in Austin, that we'll see you remaining in Austin? Who knows, man? Yeah, you know, <laughs> okay. Life's complicated. You know? Fair enough. <laughs> that, that's fair. Um, so as we kind of begin to wind things down a little bit, um, focusing a bit more on you again as opposed to the studios that you've uh, and the games that you've worked on, is there anyone out there that inspires you and your work? Anyone that you kind of look up to, maybe that you've worked alongside or or external to your work so far that you kind of you look at and try to maybe model the way you go about things upon? That's a really good question. I mean, I've had different mentors in my in my life for sure. I you know, without naming them, you know, there are people when I was certainly more junior who really taught me lessons and there were people that when I thought I knew it all kind of slapped me in the face and said here's why you don't know it all yeah. um, and, and I, I've, I feel I've been lucky to have some good mentors um, you know these days who do I look up to I mean tons of people but for me it's more about like what kind of things inspire me to want to be better you know and that's kind of sounds like a douchey thing but yeah you know, I like watching things. Like, here's a random thing. I love watching Michael Jordan highlights. I love, because I played basketball a lot, but I love watching Michael Jordan talk about what it took for him to win. And I like it because I listen to him and I'm like, fuck, man, you have to give everything yeah. to be that good. You know? And then there's this conversation the in your head of like, am I going to give up everything? Or whatever, you know? Um, you know, yeah, I, what's the, what's the I, limit? I think the people line? like Elon Musk or, you know, like he, no one's perfect, but like he wants to change the world and he's doing his thing to change the world. And so I don't think I'm either of those people or, or close to them or, or anything like that. But I think that's kind of what inspiration and goal setting is about. Like it's about trying to aim for something that you probably can't do because if you aim for something easy, you'll just do it. And then you'll yeah. just never find out what you can bring to the world or to your industry or to whatever. And so, um, I also Fail think to like maximize you, your potential. Yeah. And I, and I think as you get older, you kind of shift away from what's important. You know, a lot of people go from wanting to be a super great individual contributor to being senior and wanting to mentor and like there's a different journey and satisfaction in, in all those things so yeah. I don't know if there's like a at least in the game industry I don't know if there's like a person who I'm like I don't want to be like you like and and they're probably out there and maybe I just have not like well edu- like read enough about all the people in the industry like I don't know but um, I know that's fair I, enough I, I do my own things for inspiration to ins- but it's to inspire me to be like hey go and learn more or go and read more books or learn more management practices or like understand different stuff like i love watching the best of britain's got talent like that's what i love doing because i love watching people who don't know how good they are and have had a tough run of life get up there and blow away a bunch of people get the surprise of their lives and for me i'm like yes like the passion it took for you to be looked over for 20 years and turn up on this stage and get made fun of and blow everybody away and then everybody look at you and go holy crap that person's a star like that's the stuff i love when i feel down and i'm like i can't be bothered i watch that shit but it's just to kick me into gear to be like 
you know, if you want to be better, you have to just keep trying. That's it. You can fail and fail and you try and try and try and try and try and you just keep trying. Like if you keep trying your best, that's all you can do. And so for me, it's more about like, if I need that kick in the ass, I like to watch different things. That I mean, that. to be fair, I've seen a few of those clips from Britain's Got Talent and some of the, some of the things those people can do are, are incredible. So I don't blame you. That's yeah. not a bad um, thing to topic. look at. I have my like sh- short list of five things that are like, if you don't watch these things and cry, you're not human, you know, but that's oh, good. a different time. Um, yeah, well, I'll bring you in for a separate podcast where we can talk all about that at some point. <laughs> that's right, we can do the best of Britain's got talent. <laughs> <laughs> this, could, this could be a thing now. Um, so any particularly valuable lessons that you've kind of picked up along the way? You obviously spoke about how you've had people that you feel like you're going pretty well and they've kind of slapped you back into your place a little bit, but has there been anything, uh, any you know, big hurdle or something like that that you've, that you've overcome that you've really kind of look back on as this formative moment in your career? Um, These big revelations or uh, anything along those lines? You know, honestly, there's just a lot of it. You know, I think think every cycle of shipping something teaches you something. I think that was where I was lucky on Star Wars Republic. Like, I was there for six years, but we shipped the launch game went free to play six expansions and like 220 game updates and i was at different levels involved with all of that and so each of those cycles there were lessons um yeah of course is there something uh, it's a good it's a good question like i don't know i don't know how to answer that one that's right not a problem uh, at all um, I, I just think there are so many i just think there's so many lessons and if someone was to say to me like like i want to get in and do the thing like what's your piece of advice you know for me i would just say like if you're not in already then the answer is passion like if you're willing to do whatever it takes to get in then you'll get in like that was me right i gave up my life i moved away from my family i sold all my possessions i like spent all my money to get in and that was the thing you know you have to be that extreme about it but um if you don't have any experience, like passion, because people it can carry you a long way. Yeah, but people think everyone in games love making games. It's not even really true. Some people make games because that's what they just do. So if yeah. you're like super passionate and malleable and willing to like do whatever to at least get started, like you, you'll get in. And there's strategies to, okay, well, the specifics of do I go into QA to become a designer? Do I go to design school to be a designer? If I want to be a producer, how do I get the, like, there's very specific there's pathways guidance you can give for how to do that but it's very it has to be tailored to every individual because everyone's different but um i think if i was to give one piece of advice to people who want to get in it's just like be passionate like if it's the thing that you want to do and you will do all the things required to get in then do it then do it and just no excuses right just do it that's fantastic uh any one or multiple particularly uh, treasured memories from the whole journey? Has it been the shipping of the games, for example, or or anything like that? Yeah, no, uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like I think um, on SWOTOR, like um, Galactic Stronghold, Shadow of Revan, Knights of Fallen Empire, Knights of Eternal Throne, those four expansions, for me were 
learning moments in their different rights. Like each of them taught me a very valuable life lesson and I don't even you know, have to get into it all, but yeah. Um, and then similarly, like shipping Anthem and being a public facing person in a bigger spotlight, like taught me a lot as well. Like all of it to me is lessons learned, you know? And, and I think, well, I'd like to think I did a bunch of good stuff in there, but I also made a bunch of mistakes and, and, I, and I'm glad to have learned the lessons from the mistakes and I just hope I can, you know, like I said before, apply them and be, be kind of better you know, next time in the future. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair enough. Uh, so now a very open-ended one and not specifically focused on the career at all. If there was any one game that's ever existed that you could be credited for, so you can retroactively add your name into the credits for anything. I'm wondering <laughs> whether it's not Final Fantasy VII or, or Baldur's Gate Two, but uh, it could be something different entirely. Uh, what game would it be? That's such a. It's a, that's really just the the, the game you just wish you could have been like, involved with. It, yeah, the game I wish I could have been part of. Yeah, I would pick Planet Side One. Fair enough. That that was my that was my real. Uh, that was my real addiction. Like almost like that's the game I would love to remake in a different world of different everythings. But yeah, I would say Planet Side One. Um, and I mean those seven to eight hours a day that you're putting in all of a sudden become work and that's and it makes it very easy to justify at that point I mean, right? honestly that was part of it man for real like i was playing a lot of video games and i'm like i can't justify this unless it's my job you know like people who are in finance read the newspapers about finance whatever they do like i was like i can only even now as an older dude you know when people are like you played games all Sunday, I'm like, yeah, it's like my job. It's They're my like, job. Oh yeah, it's, it's your job. Cool. And I'm like, that's not. <laughs> I mean, sure, it's true, but like, not necessarily what I was doing that Sunday. But yeah, you know, it's part of it. So Ben, thank you very much for coming aboard in the show today and sharing everything that has been a part of that story so far. It's continuing to develop, and and I'm sure everyone listening in today is really eager to uh, learn of what is next and. And we'll find that out when we find that out, I suppose. But in the meantime, if people want to reach out to you or or find out what's going on, where would they be best to go? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's Twitter handle people are interested in. But yeah, I mean, at Twitter, I'm at, at Ben Irvo, B-E-N-I-R-V-O. Um, I'm not that active on it these days, but um, I try to, you know, tweet every now and then. But yeah, you know, if anyone wants some advice or is interested in a chat, like it's not like I can talk to everyone, but um, if people are, like Twitter is probably a good place to reach out for sure. If you want to try and flush out news on what's next, I'm sorry though, you, he's probably not going to give you any answers. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel douchey about like I'm not. No, 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 not a secret or like. Eventually, I'll say it, and people will be like, oh, "I don't even care." And I'll be like, "All right, well." <laughs> I, I doubt, I doubt that'll well, be the case. You know? I'm, I'm sure people will be. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. People are eager, and I'm sure we'll continue to be eager to learn about that. But they've got to be patient in the meantime. <laughs> Maybe. These things take time. Um, so, like right. I said, Ben, thank you very much for coming aboard and sharing your story today. It's been fantastic to to hear for myself, as I'm sure it has been for the many people listening today. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, mate, and thanks for reaching out. Like I said, you know, for me, especially talking to, to Aussies who are interested in the industry, um, 
uh, that's kind of still my home and, it, and it's still what I'm passionate about. And so I, I'm gl really glad that you reached out and I'm glad we could chat. For me, it was super fun as well. So I, I hopefully there's something for your audience in, in all of this. Oh, I'm sure there but, was. Uh, but yeah, thank you, man. It was It was really fun for me. And listeners, as always, thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you would like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Ben's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.